You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. And if you're our guest today, we want to welcome you and thank you for being here and being part of the fun, uh, the fun that goes on in this room. We also want to invite you, if you're visiting or you're new with us, there is a a little card you can get from the front desk and take it to our espresso bar counter there and you can get yourself a free drink. Uh, We just want you to be encouraged. That's really what it's all about is just you being encouraged. So uh, it is uh, so good. It's so good to be with you today. It's a wonderful day. It's a great day to be in the presence of each other, in the presence of the Lord. And, you know, when we were worshiping, I just had this sense, and I want to carry it out. I want to be obedient here. And we don't do this very often, but uh, whoever you're sitting next to, whether you like them or not, would you take their hands? Could you do that? I mean, I want you to do that. Yeah, husbands and wives. We're, we're reconciling marriages right now, I can tell. So uh, hard trip on the way to church, I could tell, yeah. Uh, but let's take hands. This is what I want to do. Let's contend for faith today. Uh, let's contend for faith in our children, in our young adults, in our families, in our marriages, uh, that the faith of God would be strong in us. Let's do that. Father, we uh, take hands together just as a sign of unity, and we come and we say in Jesus' name, let your, let your Holy Spirit rise in us and let faith grow in our lives. Lord, let faith grow where it doesn't seem that the, 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 the things are possible, but you make all things possible. Lord, let faith grow where things seem to be hopeless. Bring hope in Jesus' name. And Lord, we contend for faith in our children, in our young people, in our families, in our marriages, Lord, we contend for that faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen. 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 Y'all good now? I got, got prayed up there a little bit, didn't we? That's good. I want to do that. Well, uh, today's a good morning. Listen, I'm really looking forward to a series that is going to be coming after this series. Um, it's going to start actually next, uh, next week. And the series is entitled The Heart of Being With. And uh, next Sunday, we just kick it off and spend time together with our daughter church, Los Hechos. We're having one service, 10 o'clock. Yeah, we're going to have fun. We're going to eat afterwards, which I know is always a draw. And uh, so we want you to be there. We really want to enjoy this time together. Uh, I love Pastor Alejandro and Cindy Garcia. They are just such dear friends, and they have been so gracious to, to Canby Foursquare Church. So they're, they're out there with us mixing it up, or we're out there with them mixing it up, and just serving community. That happened just a few days ago, VBS. We're going to give you a little more report on VBS when more of the uh, information comes in. So in about a week or two, we want to give you good things that happened because good things did happen. But Alejandro is going to be sharing with us next Sunday. So I don't want you to miss that. Guy got a heart for Jesus, got a heart for the community, just uh, love my buddy. And uh, so I want you just to come on and hang out, be part of that. Like I said, we're going to eat together, and then we're just diving into a great series, The Heart of Being With. And sometimes The Heart of Being With means that we get a little uncomfortable with who we're with. You know, uh, but God says, hey, I want you to come together. I want you to love people, spend time, share the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's really what we're going to do in the next few weeks. So I want you to do this with me in the meantime. You can open your Bibles to Colossians. We're looking at Colossians chapter 3. And yes, we will get through this. 
taken me a little more time, and maybe it's because I really like this book, you know? I mean, I'm jumping in, and I'm thinking, I didn't know I liked this book this much, and I do. I hope you feel the same, because sometimes you get that, uh, you know, preacher denial thing going on, believing everybody loves everything you love, and uh, that's not always the case. I think this might be one of those places where you say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm liking this. You know, the book of Colossians gets us digging in, and we're looking at chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And I, I know you know this, we've said it before, but the whole book of Colossians is really, uh, it's all about our life uh, and what life is like after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Once we're transformed by Jesus, I mean, this, this miraculous thing happens that we are transformed in ways we could not provide for ourselves. We cannot work it through. We can't have enough religion in our lives to be changed like Jesus wants us to be changed. He does it, and it's all about how his work is alive in us. And in Colossians, it talks about once we know Jesus, everything changes. And the first part of Colossians talked about Christ's supremacy in all of the universe, And then now he gets a little personal. The Apostle Paul starts digging in, beginning in chapter 3, and starts talking about your stuff, you know. And that's that's not really easy. I mean, he's getting into your face. He's getting into your business. I mean, he's getting into your private life. He's getting into your thought life. He just starts diving in, and that's what he does. And last week or a couple weeks ago, we had a message on critical conversations that the Apostle Paul had. And and today, he's kind of continuing this. And remember what he says in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, Jesus in you, in you, is the hope of glory. So you are a living epistle. There are other ways that it's stated, but you are the reflection. You are the light of Christ in the communities and the places that we we live. So let's read together Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse uh, 12, beginning at verse 12. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. You must put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Be thankful. And then let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's really good stuff for us to take a hold of. One of the things that all of us deal with certain things as we grow up in my childhood, I was no different. There were certain things that you would deal with that were were hard and sometimes it felt shameful. And one of those things for me is whenever I would go out uh, to play a pickup ball game, whether it was football or baseball or basketball, they would have everyone in line and they would start to choose who would be on their team. And typically, I was the last to be chosen. It's never good to be the last. 
It never feels good. And they're, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're measuring me based on what you see. I mean, vertically challenged and all those kinds of things. So you usually were the last guy chosen. And I know what that feels like. And, and I know how, how, how that hurts at times. And, and it can be painful. Because not being chosen by others is a painful part of life. You know, it's a reality that we have to deal with. It'll happen to all of us. Except, except if moms run the world. If moms rule the world, maybe not so much. Not only will moms make sure you're chosen, moms will make sure you are chosen number one. Now, I don't know how you can get so many number ones, but that's the way it works. Dads, we've said this before, not so much. Uh, I was at one of my kids, my grandkids' ball games the other day, and uh, one of the coaches happens to be uh, one of the guys that I hung out with and coached when my kids were little, uh, Fred Quintero. I love the guy. He's a great guy, and he's actually coaching his grandson, and, and, and his grandson wasn't throwing the ball the way that he wanted him to, and he says, come on, son, throw the ball, jeez. And I'm sitting there going, Yes. Someone's finally saying it. Someone's telling the truth, you know. And, uh, and sometimes that's hard to hear, you know. Sometimes it's hard for us. But I love it when, uh, when we can get together and we can talk about this. Because here's the problem. It's when we attach not being chosen to our self-worth and value. You see, this is where the problem really enters in. Is because we weren't chosen, maybe for something or we weren't liked, or something went, uh, didn't go our way, then what happens is oftentimes we'll connect it immediately to our self-worth and value. So what happens when being chosen or liked by others becomes our, our priority in life? What happens? What takes place? Well, one of the things is that we'll live in a world where self is our God, because we're wanting self to be appeased and pleasured more than anything else. And if self is our God, that means self-promotion is our religion. And uh, we live, don't we kind of live in a world like that? And I've caught myself in places like this. And I thought, this isn't really what it's all about. So here's what the Apostle Paul says are fundamental truths in a believer's life. And those who are in Christ Jesus, he's already talked to us about that. He's already set us up. And he said, now this is, these are fundamental truths in every believer's life. And so when I was putting this together, I was just really praying for you and your heart that you would be receptive to fundamental truths that do not waver when you are in Christ Jesus. And they're truths that I think we need to be reminded of, uh, I think, pretty often. And so here it is. It says this in Colossians chapter 3, the first part of verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. So what he's saying to you is if you're found in Christ, there are three fundamental truths that you need to get a hold of here. Notice what Paul wants you to know first. I love this. What he wants you to know first, in Christ, you are chosen. You're chosen of God. You are chosen of God. So he wants to get that out of the way. He wants to tell you immediately, listen, if you have any doubt, which we all do, if you're struggling a little bit, I mean, life brings that our way. I mean, there's things that happen that we just can't control. He says, I want you to know this, that you are chosen of God. That's amazing. I mean, I want that just to maybe sink in just a little bit because you are God's chosen. So please hear this. The first and most important issue that Paul resolves is the issue of our value. So that's what he's saying. He's coming to us and he's talking about our worth, our value. This is huge. 
He says, you are chosen of God. Wow, that, that to me is, is amazing. When we embrace our chosenness, now listen to this. <laughs> when we embrace our chosenness and understand it's a fundamental truth as a believer, this is when you are at your very best. This is when you are at your very, very best as a Christ follower. This is when you are at your best spiritually. It's when you're at your best mentally and emotionally. So right now, if you're wavering a little bit or you're teetering in some, some areas of, of value and worth, I want you to come to this fact, this truth, and even recite it to yourself and say, I am chosen of God. God chose me. Say that, God chose me. Wow. So here's the big question. Uh, the most important question, I think, in life really is, and especially uh, before I came to Christ, and maybe some of you are here today, the same place I was years ago, he wants to choose you. Did you know that? I don't know if you've just thought about that, but he wants to choose you. Here's the question. Do you want to be chosen? That's the question. You see, there's a partnership here, and God will never violate your will. He'll he'll never jump over your will to get you to do something or go somewhere. He wants to come alongside and cooperate with you. And so he says to you, in Christ, you need to know this. You are chosen. Do you want to be chosen? (laughs) For those pre-believers, he's asking that question. I think that question stands before everyone who who hasn't come to faith in Christ, that question is there. Do you want to be chosen because God wants to choose you? God wants you on his team. God, again, wants you to be part of this. There's a lot of theology that goes with some of this, and I didn't want to really confuse a lot of people because, oh, is it, is it, are we predetermined? Is it, you know, there's a lot of fancy names that get attached to all this. It's just really simple when you read Scripture. God has chosen you. He wants you. Have you chosen Him? Do you want Him? Do you accept His invitation? Because the Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So He's standing at the door and He's knocking. What's He saying? I want you. I want you. Do you want me? And that is the issue that stands before every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. It stands before us. Do we want him? Do we want to be chosen? Each one of us have to answer that individually. Listen, because you've decided to say yes, and we're going to say in Christ, we're done that, then we are set apart by and for God. That's the next thing here. That's what the word holy means. Holy has gotten a bad rap, and I want to get it back. Can I get the word back from all of us? Because because, you know, we think about holy in a lot of us. I mean, we go in a lot of different places in our head as to what we think holy is. But I want to give you a simple definition here. It really simply means to be set apart by and for God. Uh, and this all makes sense, doesn't it? I hope it makes sense to you that if you decide to be chosen because God wants to choose you, there is a purpose for you. So he, he doesn't just choose you and say, well, now I'll just figure it out. He says, no, I have a purpose for you. I've made you. I knew you before you were born. I knew you while you were in your mother's womb. I wired you. I've given you a certain DNA. I've given you certain gifts and talents. And what he says is, now I want those gifts and talents to be used for me, to be used for the kingdom. That's what holy means. It just means simply, I have been set apart by God and for God. And anything less is unholy. 
So what he's saying here is he's saying, listen, you've been uniquely made. So here's what holy doesn't mean, because sometimes I need to know what it doesn't mean. So holy doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're unbroken. It doesn't mean that you're without sin. (laughs) And listen, holy doesn't mean being religious. Would you hear that one? Doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you're weird. <laughs> that's why I want to get this back. Because typically in my mind, I grew up and they said, that's a holy person. I say, that's a weird person too right there. <laughs> you know, that's not what this means. It's very practical. In fact, it's all about grit. Did you know that? This is so one of the most practical things. It means, hey, get out and do what God's called you to do. Fill with the Holy Spirit. These, this is action word here. It's to live out the life of Christ the way he intended for you to live that life. In Christ, you have been set aside for a purpose. You are holy. <laughs> say that, I'm holy. That's weird, isn't it, to say that? Feels like, wow. That, the reason why is because we really haven't understood the definition of holy. It means I've been chosen by God because we, we made a deal. We partnered together. And now I've been set aside for him and by him. Okay, I'm chosen of God. I'm set apart by and for God. Then what motivates me in all this? What keeps me going? What keeps me going right now is that I am dearly loved. That right now I am loved by God. Uh, You know, this is the the thing that we need to know. Because he's chosen us, because he's set it apart, that he loves me. And that's the, the reality that will change our lives, absolutely revolutionize your life when you know that He loves you just because He loves you. Yeah, because you can't do a whole lot to earn that love, by the way. You can't. Take a shot at it, it never works. So His love fills me, inspires me, and causes me to share that love with others. And God will show that in different ways. So should we when we know we're loved. You know, that should be something that is reflected in our own lives. And it doesn't have to be all those big things. Do you know what I'm saying? There are things that God will show me he loves me just by something simple will happen during the course of the day. Has that happened to you? And you're going, wow, man, I I mean, you know, my, my grandson told me how much he loved me and I told him how much I loved him. And that can just make my day. What is it? It's a reflection of God's love. There are things that we can do in life that, that, that help others know that they are loved, that they are appreciated. And I want this to be practical for you. I don't want us just to skip over this and walk away and say, well, that was some great theology. I want this to be great grit. I want this to be something you actually carry out. So maybe what you need to do when you leave this place is you need to go and express your love to someone or someones. There's different ways to do it. Um, one of the things I know in our home is I, I want to, you know, the thing that I, I want, I want Annette to have a cup of coffee first thing in the morning. So if I'm up first, then that's what I'll do. If she's up first, that's what she does for me. It's an exchange. It doesn't seem like much, does it? But I know when I get that cup of coffee from her or she gets it from me, you know what I'm reminded of? Wow, I have someone who loves me. Now, it's a cup of coffee. 
But I'm reminded that someone loves me and that I love someone. Just, just, just take a moment. Take some time in your relationship and, and, and do that. If, if you would, it makes all the difference. So Paul goes on and he tells us that, that you're, uh, you, you belong to Jesus. And, and when you're chosen of God, you're set apart by and for God and loved by God. So what, what does it look like? You, you know what? Right now, Paul tells us how believers should dress. <laughs> and he's actually using that term. So I'm not making this stuff up. He says, listen, if, you, if, you, if these fundamental truths you embrace, you've taken a hold of these fundamental truths, then there's a certain way to dress. There's a certain way to look. Uh, I was at a special meeting on Wednesday night with our great and wonderful Canby firefighters, and uh, <clears throat> I was invited to this meeting. And um, so, well, let me just tell you, I'm now a uh, Canby fire uh, board director. So I was sworn in you know and that was that yeah that was a big deal so uh, you know if, if you're gonna hang out with anybody hang out with firefighters you know those are the guys that you know something's always going on so uh, i'm there and they bring a judge in and, and but but here's the deal the firefighters that came man they were dressed nice i mean they had their uniform on they had their medals on they had their stripes on they had their tie on and what i had on is about what you're looking at right now you know and I thought, man, uh, chief, I came a little underdressed. He goes, oh, no, that's good for you. We're firefighters. This is the way we dress. I thought, wow, this is, this, is, this is a great experience. And that's exactly what Paul is saying to you. You are Jesus' followers, so this is the way you should dress. I mean, when you show up in, a, in the world, this is what you should look like. And he goes on. He tells us that in the second part of verse 12. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love that. I mean, what he says here, the first thing that you see here is you clothe yourself. You dress like this. These are things that should be in every believer's wardrobe. So it should be in your wardrobe. It should be in my wardrobe. What's the first? He says compassion. Have compassion. Can I say this is a specific, the way it's written is a specific kind of compassion. He's not just saying, well, yeah, just love everybody. You know, just you flower children out there, you just go ahead and have just fun loving folks. No, you know what this word is intended to communicate? This word, compassion, is intended to communicate you have compassion for those that are suffering. It's very specific. So if you are a follower of Jesus, what is one of the first pieces of articles of of wardrobe or clothing you put on? You have compassion, and that is you have compassion toward people who are suffering. That's That's remarkable. And then it goes on and says you should be kind. There's kindness here. Um, <laughs> kindness, it translated here, is a sweet disposition. All right? So, so here it is. I know some of you get up on the wrong side of the bed. And I know some of you are cranky. Um, and so if that's the case, what you need to say is, okay, i got to be intentional because this is intentional activity. You don't just get up and your clothes are on. You get up and you, you make a decision of what you're going to wear. When you get up in the morning, do, try this one on. Try kindness on instead of crankiness. Try kindness and have a sweet disposition. See what happens, you know. Uh, my son, and I love, I love all my kids, my, old, my oldest son has moved up the ranks pretty, pretty rapidly in the um, high-tech industry. And I asked him the other day, man, you've just moved up the ranks, man. They, they got you tabbed for a vice president and all these kind of things. What's your motto? You know, because I'm always wanting to talk to people about their mission statement, their core values, what are their motto. That's just kind of a leadership thing I find myself doing. <laughs> and he said to me, he said, Dad, it's one word. I said, what is it? He said, it's kindness. 
Everyone on this planet deserves the kindness of Jesus. Wow. So any out there, young leaders wanting to know how to climb the corporate ladder, <laughs> you might try kindness. It, it works. And then he says here, he says humility. And humility, excuse me, I'm going to go back to this. Humility, humility simply means here thinking of others first, not yourself. So when something needs to happen or there's a decision that needs to be made, you're not automatically saying, well, I've got to do this for me. What you're doing is you're considering, you're considering who you influence, the people around you. In fact, this is what it's talking about. How are you influencing the people around you? And that makes all the difference in the world. And then this, this word gentleness that we're looking at here, humility and gentleness are fairly close to each other. And I want to explain this. You know, just, this, just give me a moment. These two are very similar in the original language, but I'm going to tell you why they're similar. Because humility was not even talked about during the time this was written. That was a, actually a weakness. Humility was a weakness in Roman culture. So they did, if they talked about humility, it meant, man, you are weak. You're not, you're not fit to lead or serve. And so what Paul does is he puts two words together. He said, because I know you, you, you don't, you're not fond about this one, I'm going to go to gentleness. I want to put these together. It's a one-two punch is what he's saying. I want you to know what gentleness is the opposite of over-aggressive, even careless. That's what, what gentleness means. It's the opposite of those things. And then there's the word patience. And I love this. How many know and have used the phrase about yourself or someone else, short-fused? Yeah, this is the opposite. This means long-fused. So patience means this is long-fused uh, as opposed to short-fused, not quick to retaliate. And that's really what it's talking about. In, con- in context of relationship, you aren't quick to think, how am I going to get back at that person? Now, I'll tell you what, when I came to Christ, this is one of the first things that had to be redeemed in my life because the first thing that I wanted to do when someone did me a wrong, is I wanted to figure out how to do them a wrong. Problem, isn't it? And this is one of the first things that I saw God's redemption and miracle take place in my life is that while I still might think that every now and again, I don't carry it out and I ask God to forgive me and help me be someone who is not quick to retaliate. That's a tough one you can feel me now <laughs> that, that, that's a, that's a tough one but that's exactly what it means here's the phrase i use for it. you might want to write this down this is called the discipline of restraint all right i made that up by the way you can say every nothing else is original except that uh discipline of restraint and if you look at what we've just talked about does this look familiar to any of you what we've talked about here these qualities uh, yeah, the fruit of the Spirit. Go to Galatians chapter 5. This is what it is. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So Paul reframes it in different ways here. So here we go. We're moving on. How believers are to live with one another. So how do we do this? Now we're clothed right. We've gotten the right clothes, the right wardrobe. Paul goes on to tell us how believers are to live with one another. And he tells us this in these verses. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If, you, if any of you has a grievance against someone... Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in, uh, what it says here, in perfect unity. 
So what's he saying here? The first thing he says when you're living with other people, <laughs> and, and we're talking about family context, church context, work context, one of the first things you got to do as a Christ follower is you need to have a willingness to bear with those who have faults. Yeah, man, i got a list of folks right here who have faults. I mean, I was thinking about it. Who are those that have faults? My wife has faults, you know. My kids have faults. My friends have faults. You have faults. My church, oh, man. There's some really faulty people in this place. And, oh, yeah, so do I. See, see the whole idea is you can't get off the hook. <clears throat> Paul is letting you know he can't get off the hook. You can't walk around and say, oh, they have a fault, and they have a fault, and they have a fault. No, 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 no. It's, it's all of us together. And what he's saying, when you live together, you've got to understand that. There are going to be times your metal is going to be tested just by being with one other person that drives you crazy. And by the way, I'm going to pray that happens to you this week. So you can thank me when it happens. Just send me a note say, yeah, it did happen. I got, I got, it was like a cage match, you know? It's like, ah! But I'm going to tell you what, God is so committed to your sanctification. He's so committed to making you like Jesus Christ that what he'll do is he'll put you in a room or a place for an extended period of time with people that have a lot of faults. And what he's saying is love them through it. Bear with one another. There's a, that's a strong word. It means bear with them, walk with them through that. The second thing here is Paul says a willingness to forgive those you have resentments against. Now he's getting into the hard stuff. That's what he's doing. He's talking about some hard stuff here. This, listen, this emphasizes not being stingy but generous with those who have offended you. That's the, the implication here is pretty broad. I mean, it's gracious. It's saying, he, he, you know, what he's saying here is, listen, for those that have offended you, be generous with forgiveness. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be a doormat. That's not what we're talking about here. But it's saying here, you need to be generous with those folks. Why? Because I think someone's been generous with you and with me, whose name is Christ. And that's what he's saying here. So what, what does that look like? Well, I think it's giving people the benefit of the doubt. I think it's also uh, how you and I use our words. Do you know immediately when I jump to a conclusion about what you have done to me to offend me and I defend myself verbally and then actually talk negatively about you, you know what I'm doing? I'm giving us no room to grow in that relationship. I just took all, all the Holy Spirit air out of that relationship. It is impossible to go beyond that. So when you're with family members, when you're with friends, and you hear someone say, oh, yeah, that's just like them. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I thought they would do. Well, you're not God. And you might be starving a relationship that needs to be fed. So please watch how we speak. You guys got a lot of family reunions coming up, I think. Camping trips, all those kind of things going on. When you get with folks that you're close to, and this is what, when it usually happens, it's people who you know the best. You know what? It's the hardest thing for brothers who have grown up together to grow after they, because they've already cast each other emotionally, and, and, and they've cast a die. Yeah, that's the way you are. That's the way you treat me. That's the way you treated me when I was 15, 25, 35. That's what happens. 
In this case, what Paul's saying is, please, please give room. Be generous with your forgiveness. And then, above all else, a believer should wear or put on uh, love. I love this. Love, real love, agape love, that's the word used here, doesn't just happen. Loving others the way Christ loves is not something you stumble into. It's not something, oh, I just feel love. Well, you might feel something. I don't know. It might not be love. Because love is incredibly intentional. And it is a discipline in our lives. It's a discipline to love. You see, because I have to love you. Jesus tells me I have to love you. Guess what? You have to love me. That's the part I like. But there's sometimes you don't like me, and I don't like you. And those are the things we work through. Why? Because love prevails. Above everything else, put on love. You've committed to that. And when you go through the times where you don't like each other, work it out. Because you should be wearing love above everything else. That's what holds relationships together. This kind of love is intentional. It's disciplined. It's deep. Wear it. It sets you apart from the world you live in. And they will know you by your love. And the last thing here is what should happen when believers actually get together and we spend time like this together. Well, look at Colossians 15 through 17, or 3, 15 through 17. It says... Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. And then it goes on. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You know, we did some of that today, didn't we? Some of what they're telling us to do here. What Paul said, we did some of that. But here's two things I want you to look at. First of all, we, we, we need to do this. The first thing he says is let the peace of Christ rule. Let the peace of Christ rule in your life. Now, this is interesting. This is the only time in the New Testament that word rule is used. It's right here. It's not used any other time in the New Testament. It's only used right here. This is very expressive. It's a very expressive word. It conjures up all kinds of images and and can be used in a few different ways, of which all can be used here. It's accurate. But the first way it's used is this. Let the peace of Christ be your umpire and has the last say in whatever conflict you have. So the peace of Christ is calling balls and strikes. And for those baseball fans, you know what happens if you argue balls and strikes. You're out of the game. You're out of the game. You disqualify yourself. What Paul is saying here by the word rule, he's saying it is the peace of Christ Jesus that acts as an umpire, that the peace of Jesus must give the final decision. Another way the word rule can be used here, and I love this, and think about this, would you? That the peace of Christ supports us and trains us to be fruitful. Because the word rule also is synonymous with the word trellis. You know, a trellis, which you grow vines on. And what do you do? Trellis trains that, 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 let's say, that, that grapevine. It trains it how to grow in the best way to make it fruitful. 
So what Paul's saying here is let the peace of Christ be the framework that supports your life so that you can produce a ton of fruit. Let it be his peace. And then it goes on and says, not only should we let the peace of Christ rule, we should let the message of Christ dwell. I like that. Uh, This simply means let God's word be at home in your life. Is God's word foreign to you? Does it feel awkward to you? Do you have an estranged relationship with God's word? What it's saying here is don't let any of that be the case. Don't let that be your case. Let the, the, the word of Christ, let God's word have home, have place, be comfortable in your heart and in your home and in your church and in your family. Let it dwell there. So what he's saying is this is something that's influencing us. This simply means let God's word be at home, influencing you and training you. And then he says teaching and instructing and songs. He says all that. And this is the one thing. I'm going to close with this. He says, you know, in all this, do do this in the name of Jesus. I mean, don't do this for anything. Do it in the name of Jesus and give thanks. Give thanks. Be thankful. Man, I'm so glad he gave us these instructions because sometimes I really stink at stuff like this. And then you go back and you read it and you go, oh, oh, I wasn't, I can't act like that. And then my life wants to change, needs to change all because of the risen Jesus in my life and in your life. Would you bow your head for one moment? Would you do that with me? Um, If you, you know what, I want to just invite you, you know this, you know that, <laughs> that Jesus has been standing at the door of your heart and knocking, he's actually chosen you, but you haven't come to the place where you've chosen him. Uh, maybe today is the day that you do that. And if today you know he's wanting you in a relationship with you, but you have to make the decision to follow him, to choose him. If that's true, I'm gonna, heads bowed, eyes closed, lift up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Uh, I know he's chosen me. I just haven't chosen him. But today I want to change that. I want it to be a cooperative thing. Good. Just lift your hand, if you would, just for a moment. I want to get you a little package. Thank you for your, good, good, thank you. Just keep your hands up. This is great. This is so practical, so real. This is what it means. He's choosing you, choosing you. And now what you're saying by lifting up your hand is, I'm choosing him. I'm choosing him. Just keep your hand up until someone gets to you. Thank you. There's, there's a number of you. Thank you. for it just, this is, We're just giving you a package right now. It's a, it's a, it's a peace offering. It's a, saying God wants peace with you and wants you to have peace in your life. And that's what happens when you say, man, I choose him because he's chosen me. So for those that lifted their hands, along with the rest of us, we do this together. Just follow me in this prayer. Dear Jesus, you have chosen me. In fact, your word says, you have chosen me before the foundations of the earth. That you knew this day was coming. And because you've chosen me, today I choose you. I choose to follow you. Forgive me of my sins today. Come and make my heart your home. Dwell richly in me. In Christ's name. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. 
You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.